You are listening to the Grace Covenant Cornelius Podcast. Covenant, grab your Bibles, look with me if you would, to Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7, today we're continuing the series Encounter by Jesus as we're looking through the Gospels at different narratives, and uh, we're talking about these encounters that Jesus had with individuals. In each of these stories, the common denominator is that people's lives were changed, at times their situations were changed, but it all came about by this, an encounter with Jesus. As I said last week, the good news for us is that Jesus is still encountering people today. Amen? Turn to your neighbor and say, hey, Jesus is still encountering people today. Really important that you get that. He still do what he did, he's still doing. And what we can be confident of because of that is this, we have help. As the miracle of Jesus' birth was recorded in the Gospel of Matthew, and we'll be talking more about that as we get into December, but this is what we're told. We're told that the virgin would give birth to a child and that his name would be called Emmanuel, which means this, God with us. So who is Jesus? He's Emmanuel, right? He's he's God with us. So today we have Jesus with us. And and what I'm convinced of is that just as he encountered people as he walked this earth, so he's still encountering people today. And I think that's amazing news for us, frail, fragile human beings, right? I mean, we're spiritual beings having this temporary physical experience in a world full of challenges. And one of, the, one of the most exciting things for me in the midst of processing life is know that I'm not processing life alone, right? I have help. What I have, Emmanuel. You have Emmanuel. You have, you have Jesus with you. I assume that by now most of you have figured out that life's not fair, right? Life brings with it difficulties, hardships, and challenges. Like, has anyone faced a challenge recently, right? I mean, wow, we all do. It's, it's like the reality of processing life. There's no such thing as a, as a pain-free, problem-free existence. And being a follower of Jesus doesn't free us from the challenges of life. But what it does mean is we have help. We have Emmanuel. We have God with us. Again, who I believe wants to encounter us in our struggles. To encounter us. To meet us in, in, in the pain of our lives. I have a... I have a pastor friend, matter of fact, we're having breakfast tomorrow morning. His wife became sick with COVID, and as you can imagine, they prayed, they, they sought medical attention, but in the midst of all of that, her situation grew worse. It, it didn't get better. As the sickness progressed, she was hospitalized, and she was placed on a ventilator. My pastor friend was desperately praying, his family was praying, the church was praying, but the physical healing that they were praying for, didn't happen. This woman of God stepped from this world into the presence of Jesus. Now, as you walk through situations like this, it can be, it can be difficult to navigate. It can be difficult to understand. Hard to process as, 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 as you're working through the pain and the grief and the loss. But today, my pastor friend is blogging about the encounter of Jesus in the midst of his pain. Interesting. He's writing some amazing stuff right now. He's writing about the reality of his loss and grief, but how Jesus is present, encountering, if you will, as he's walking through this difficult season of his life. It's Jesus present in the pain. It's Jesus bringing help and hope. 
someone being encountered and, and, and one of the tragedies that we, we experience in life. You know, there's another story of a man in our church family that's similar, but a different outcome. This man also came down with COVID. His, his sickness progressed, requiring hospitalization due to COVID attacking his lungs. They also put this gentleman on a ventilator. And when someone's put on a ventilator, that's, that's not good news. As a matter of fact, the statistic from the medical community is 10% of those who go on the ventilator actually come off of the ventilator. So this man's placed on a, a ventilator again. His family was praying. Our church family was praying. I remember even one Saturday evening, we gathered out on the lawn outside of the hospital, and we prayed, and we, and we worshiped, contending for an encounter by Jesus. We were like desperately, desperately seeking a miracle. After a six-week stay in the hospital, with about four of those weeks being on a ventilator, this man is fully recovered. Today, the hospital calls him a miracle man. Today, the hospital looks at him in, in amazement like, you're not supposed to be alive today. Even from the medical community, from their perspective, it, it was Jesus that intervened. So there's an encounter with Jesus that, that turned this situation of death into life, where there seemed to be no hope. The crisis was reversed. If you were to talk with his family today, what, what you would hear is you'd hear them giving praise. You would, hear, you would hear the celebration in their lives for this encounter by Jesus. There's no doubt in their mind there was a miracle that happened. So as I was thinking about this, here's two individuals who are close to me, a pastor friend and someone that's in our church family. Two stories of people, who, again, who I not only know, but, but I'm close to. These families are committed followers of Jesus. For one family, there's great celebration for another family, there's great grief. For one family, they're planning for the future. For another family, they had to plan a funeral. But as I've interacted with, with both of these families who've experienced two different outcomes, this is what they both speak of. They both speak of an encounter with Jesus. It just looks different. For one family, they speak of the presence of Jesus bringing comfort and help in their sorrow. For the other family, they speak of Jesus bringing his power to heal and restore. Both were encountered by Jesus. It just played out. It played out in different ways, different situations. And what I've come to know in my 56 years on this earth is that life brings pain. But the good news for us is that Jesus desires to step into to step into the painful places of our lives, to bring comfort and to bring help. And whatever we face in life, because of the presence of Jesus, because we have a good, good Father, whatever we face in life, we never have to face it alone. How many of you know that's good news? Man, that's so comforting. In Hebrews 13, 5, the Scripture says, Never will I leave you. God says, Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Then it goes on to say, So we say, as followers of Jesus, we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I'll not be afraid. What can, what can man or what can the world do to me? So in the midst of a COVID pandemic, we have help. Jesus is with us, right? In the midst of, of a financial crisis or, or, an, or an employment need, we, we have help. Jesus is with us. What he wants to encounter us in the crisis in the midst of a world going crazy and political challenges, we have help. In the midst of, of loss, death, and grief, we have help. We're not alone. Jesus is with us. 
The one who wants to encounter us. Listen, friends. Jesus cares. He cares about whatever it might be that you're processing through today. He wants to meet you in the pain to bring us provision. One encounter with Jesus. One encounter with Jesus can change you. Even change your situation. We we see this this morning in this fascinating encounter in Luke 7. There's a woman who's devastated. And you're going to discover why she was devastated as we look to her story. She's in a place of great need, but Jesus encounters her and changes her situation. So if you have your Bible, look with me to John, uh, excuse me, Luke 7, beginning with verse 11. So soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. So think about, just kind of get that picture in your mind. Here's Jesus, because of who he is, because of the dynamic stuff he's been doing, because of the authority of his teaching, there's this huge crowd that's gathered around Jesus. He's on his way into this little town called Nain. Notice verse 12, as he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, she was a widow. A large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said to her, don't cry. Then he went up and touched the coffin they were carrying him on, and the bearer stood still. He said, young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. They were all filled with awe and praised God. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has come to help his people. This news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding, the surrounding countryside. So in this story, we have the clash of a, of a party crowd in a funeral procession. So kind of get that picture in your mind. There's excitement, celebration, and anticipation, and it collides with sorrow, grief, and loss. But the encounter with Jesus turns this place of pain and loss to to joy in life. I don't know how you read the Bible, what that looks like for you, but when I read the Bible, I try to picture in my mind how I think these stories might have played out. A little creative imagination and so as I read this story, this is, what I, this is what I see happen. It may not have happened exactly like this, but in my little brain, this is how I see it happening. Jesus and this large crowd of people are going into, into the town. And as they're going into the town, imagine a crowd giving high fives. They're excited. They're celebrating. Talk about momentum. Talk about energy. I mean, they've seen Jesus open blind eyes. They've seen Jesus heal the sick. They've seen all of these miracles happen. Talking about the big mo, they have it. Energy, excitement. I can imagine this was a noisy crowd. They're celebrating who Jesus was, all that he's done. And some of them even believe that he's the Messiah. And so think about the energy that would have been around this crowd that's heading into the town. I think it would have been something like maybe the parade after the Braves won the World Series. In a picture of that. Or maybe last night as Arkansas defeated LSU, as the world was going crazy. Think about something like that. There was that kind of energy. There was that kind of momentum. There was that kind of excitement. Like I couldn't even sleep last night. 
Now that's the crowd that's going, and let's call them the party crowd. It's the party crowd. They're all around Jesus. Coming out of the town, something that couldn't, couldn't have been more different, it's a funeral procession. You don't hear laughter. There's no joy-filled conversation. What you hear is wailing. What's evident is the pain. You have a group of, of men carrying the corpse, the body of a young man who's died. Then you have a mom, a mom who can barely walk because of the grief and the sorrow. It's like people are gathered around her and they're trying to help her on her way in the funeral procession. She's so overwhelmed with loss and grief and pain. And it's this funeral procession that collides with this party celebration on this dirt road right outside of this little town called Nain. With one crowd, there's great joy. With, with the other crowd, there's sadness. With one crowd, there's life. The other crowd, there's death. With one crowd, there's triumph. With the other crowd, there's tragedy. With one crowd, there's anticipation. With the other crowd, there's desperation. Are you catching the setting which this miracle takes place? There's a collision that sets the stage for this encounter with Jesus. But for a moment, for a moment, put yourself in the place of the grieving mother. Try to feel the pain that she would have been experiencing. Obviously, for this woman, life had not been fair. As I said earlier, friends, life's not always fair. I mean, what we know just from a, a couple lines in, in the Scripture is that she's already experienced the loss, the loss of her husband. The Scripture says she's a widow. That means she's already buried her husband, and now it's not just her son, it's her only son. It's like when you think life couldn't get worse, it did. When you think, like, wow, what else could happen? Like, could anything else happen that would be so bad or worse? It's happened to her. It's like piling on the pain. Now her only son, her only son is dead. She would have been in a place of emotional pain because she had lost what was most valuable to her. I mean, any mom in a situation like this would have been overwhelmed with grief. As parents, we know what's most valuable to us, don't we? And it's not the car that you drive, and maybe you really enjoy your car, but that's that's not the most valuable thing in your life. May you enjoy your home, praise God for your home. Your home's really not the most valuable thing in your life. The stuff that you have is really not the most valuable in your life, is it? As a parent, what's most valuable? It's your children, right? I mean, as a parent, you've had this experience when your children are sick, you wish you could take their place, right? Rather than them being sick, you wish you could bear their sickness. Rather than them being in pain, you wish you could bear their their pain. I mean, what's most valuable to you is your children. And here this this mom is processing through the death of her, her only son. This grieving mother would have certainly been in a place of, of distress, of being distraught. So as she's encountered by Jesus, as this party crowd collides with the funeral procession, she's experiencing this emotional pain that 
that would have been beyond description. What, what was most valuable to her is now a lifeless body being carried on a stretcher. Get that picture. Not only that, she was now destitute. She had no one to provide for her. So her future was unknown. In, in this culture, the culture of biblical days, the man was the provider, the protector. So the husband's dead, right? She's a widow. And so when the husband would die, that responsibility would fall on the son. But now the son's dead. So again, think of the predicament this woman would have been in. And she's destitute. Like, how would she make a living? Would she have to beg to survive? Would she be dependent on others? Who would step in and help her? Or was there anyone to step in? This poor grieving widow finds herself in, in quite a dilemma, and now she's all alone. Her husband's passed, her only son has passed, so, so beyond the grief of the death of her son, she's facing the reality being all alone. For this grieving mother, as I read the story, I think she was experiencing pain beyond description. Like we don't have words that would accurately define what this woman is processing at this particular moment in her life. But then, then there's this hinge point in the story. There's this encounter with Jesus. Death meets life. Hopelessness meets hope. The impossible meets the God of possibility. You know, as we look on in this story, we see Jesus' response, which I believe is a picture of what Jesus is still doing today. Remember, what Jesus did, he's still doing, right? Notice the encounter, notice the hinge point in this story. Jesus sees the pain, and he initiates the conversation. Verse 13 says, when the Lord saw her, so again, Get in your mind this picture, funeral procession, colliding with the party crowd. And Jesus looks at this woman. He saw her. His heart went out to her. And Jesus initiates the encounter. He moves, he moves toward the pain. He moves toward the crisis. But it's interesting, the scriptures says he saw. In our English language, uh, you know, we have see and saw and all means the same. But in the Greek structure, there's several different words for see. One is, is blepo. Blepo means just to take a glance at. Like I, I, I glanced at something. I, I just gave it a brief look. I glanced, that's blepo. But there's this Greek word, iodon, which means this. It means to see with understanding. And that's the word that Luke chooses here. Jesus saw her. He saw with understanding. He saw. He read between the lines. He saw. He saw the pain. This mother was navigating. He saw the deep grief that she was experiencing. He, he saw her and, and he, moved, he moved toward the situation. He initiates the conversation, if you will. He stepped into her pain. He made her problem his problem. He didn't just step to the side of the road and, and let the funeral procession go on. He stepped into the situation. And I think that's an amazing picture for us today. 
Friends, Jesus steps into the painful, hopeless situations. And he moves toward the pain. That's what he did for the woman. He he still does the same today. He he invites and and he initiates the conversation. Matthew 11, 28, Jesus said these words. Come unto me, all you who are weary, burdened, laden, and I'll give you rest. He said, come. I want to encounter you. I want to encounter you in your faith. So Jesus sees the pain and he initiates, he initiates the conversation. I don't know what you might be navigating today, but listen, friend, Jesus sees you. For some of you, man, that's the word you need to hear today. Some of you have been thinking, you've been wondering, does God even know where I'm at? Does God even know what I'm processing through? Where's Jesus? Does he care? Is he concerned? And I'm telling you today, Jesus sees. He sees you. I mean, there's an interesting story. You can check it out later. It's in Genesis chapter 16. It's the story of Hagar. But it's in that story that Hagar says, you are the God who sees me. You're the God who sees me. Listen, for some of you, you need to grab that word today. Because the enemy's been whispering into your ear. He's been bringing deception like God doesn't know and he doesn't care. But hear me, friend. Jesus sees you. He sees with understanding. For in this encounter, in this clash of these these two parties that we're traveling, Jesus, he sees the pain. He initiates the conversation. And as we look on in the story, it's interesting. Jesus responds in a way that doesn't make sense. If you look at the end of verse 13, notice what Jesus says to this grieving widow. Don't cry. Here's a woman whose her son, her only son, is on a stretcher or in a coffin being carried by a group of men. She's distraught. She's distressed. The most valuable thing in her life no longer has life. And Jesus says to her, don't cry. I think the disciples were saying, oh, Jesus. Like, what are you, what are you, like, that's the wrong thing to say, right? Obviously, Jesus didn't go to grief share class. He missed, like, sensitivity training on how to communicate. Like, that's the last thing you say. I can assure you, in every pastoral care book I read while I was going through Bible college, there was not one that directed me to go to someone in deep grief and tell them not to cry. As Jesus encounters this woman, he says something that that absolutely makes no sense. Like, don't cry. You know, at times, I think we find ourselves in hard places, and Jesus responds in a way that doesn't make sense. Like in, in our rational mind, the way we think it's all going to play out, the way we've analytically figured out, the way we expect Jesus to respond or show up, doesn't make sense. Let me give you two quick illustrations. You can check these out. The Apostle Paul, who had a thorn in his flesh, the Scripture says three times he pleaded with God, to remove that thing that was creating discomfort, that was creating pain, that was a challenge, that was a troubled place in us. Three times, three times he pleaded with God, and God said, no. I'm not going to take it away, but my grace is going to be sufficient to you. In other words, I'm going to bring my grace to you in the midst of this problem. That doesn't make sense. Like, God, what I really want you to do is I want you to take it away from me. Here's another one. There... There was this large crowd that had gathered. Jesus had been teaching. It's getting late into the day. 
And the disciples come and say, hey, hey Jesus, uh, maybe you want to think about sending these folks away like, uh, so they can go into town and get something to eat. You know what Jesus says to them? You feed them. I mean, that doesn't make sense. 5,000 plus people, you feed them. What if I told you 5,000 people were coming to your house for lunch today? You'd say, Pastor, that doesn't make sense. The disciples, say, the disciples say to Jesus, I mean, they have all their excuses. Like, well, there's too many people. Um, this is a bad location. Um, it's getting light. We don't have anything to give them. Yet Jesus says, you feed them. Now, you know the rest of the story. Jesus takes a little boy's lunch, multiplies it, feeds 5,000. But how many of you know Jesus saying to the disciples, you feed them, makes no sense. Jesus saying to a woman, don't cry who's grieving over the loss of her only son, doesn't make sense. And again, friends, this is what I've come to discover. At times, the way that Jesus encounters us in our problems, in our situations, in our crises, it doesn't, it doesn't always make sense. And Jesus will respond in a way that, that, that doesn't make sense to us often, but he's always working for our good in the midst of that, whether, whether it fully makes sense or not. Now, Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8, God says here, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. My ways are higher than your ways. Again, for us, two and two always equals four. But sometimes with God, two and two equals the feeding of 5,000. I don't know. But what I, what I do know is that at times Jesus responds in a way that, that doesn't make sense to us. Yet it's still a part, it's a part of his encounter. As we look on in this story, we see this playing out in the, in the widow's story and, and that in what Jesus said didn't make sense, yet Jesus confronts death and he, and he brings forth life. Verse 14 tells us that Jesus went to the coffin that held the body of the boy who had died and he touched it. Now, understand, this would have been unthinkable. In this culture, you didn't touch dead things. If you touched dead things, then you were unclean. And I mean, you know, Jesus could have gone over beside the coffin, staying a safe distance from the coffin. He could have spoke to the boy and raised the boy from the dead. Are you with me on that? But what I love about this story is Jesus didn't stand at a distance. He got involved in the situation. He got up close. He, he touched. He touched the coffin, and as he touches the coffin, he said, "Young man, I I say to you, get up." Verse fifteen says the dead man sat up and began to talk. Now, can you imagine the response of the men carrying the coffin? Don't you think that would have been a photo moment, like a photo op right there? Grab a grab a picture of that. Can you, can you imagine the response of the mother? As a result of the encounter with Jesus, a lifeless body becomes a talking body. A stiff corpse becomes full of life. A funeral procession becomes a crazy party of celebration. Jesus did what, what we would say is impossible by the science of our day. He confronted death and he brought forth life. He took a body where rigamatoris had, had set in, where, where the body was already stiff. And he reversed the situation. See, Jesus can turn death to life. 
And because of that, we should live confident that there's no situation that we'll face that's beyond his ability. And Luke one thirty seven says this, with God all things are possible. So can I ask you a question this morning? What is it in your life that you've been calling an impossibility? A place of impossibility? Maybe it's a relationship problem. Maybe it's a, a health challenge. Maybe it's a financial challenge. Maybe it's an addiction. Whatever it is, listen, it's not beyond Hear me, friend. It's not beyond Jesus' ability to heal and restore. Just as Jesus confronted death and brought forth life so he can bring life in, this, in that situation that you're facing, just as, as the one who touches dead things and brings them to life so we can in your life. And Jesus can touch dead marriages and bring them to life. Jesus can touch dead organs in our body and bring them to life. Jesus can touch dead dreams and bring them back to life. Jesus can touch dead family relationships and bring them back to life. Friends, friends, don't give in and don't give up. One encounter with Jesus, listen, it can change your life and it can change your situation. It did for the widow of Nain. Jesus stepped into her crisis. He touched the coffin. And he brought life out of, out of death. And as the story closes, Jesus restores hope as he gives the boy back to his mother. If you can think of it like this, this funeral procession was a hopeless situation. I mean, think of this grieving mom. This poor widow had, had not just lost her son, she had lost hope. Hope for the future, hope for grandchildren, hope in life. I'm certain the widow was thinking, like, how can I go on? How can I move forward? What, What do I have to live for now? But as Jesus encounters this funeral procession and raises the dead son to life, hope is restored. In a moment's time, in a moment's time, everything changes. This is what I'm confident of today. Jesus has the ability to take situations where we have no solution and we've given up hope and bring solutions and hope. Situations where you've given up hope. You say, I I just don't have any answer. I don't think that's ever going to happen. Listen, Jesus can step into those situations. Romans 4.17 says that our God is a God who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they are. I get an amen on that. That's your God. That's my God. He's the God who gives life to the dead. And he calls things that are not as though they are. So just as Jesus restored hope for a grieving widow, so we can restore hope in your life. Just as Jesus took an impossible situation, and this is what he did, friends. He flipped the script. So we can do the same in your life and in that situation you're facing. Listen, this is what I want you to know today. There's no situation that's hopeless when Jesus is part of the equation. Can I get an amen on that? Listen, there's no situation that's hopeless when when Jesus is a part of the equation. So don't, don't just read this story and say, well, that's super for the widow. 
I think that's oftentimes what we do. We read the scripture and we take ourselves out of the story rather than putting ourselves in the story. So, so don't read this story about this, about this grieving widow and say, well, that's, that's super for her, good for her. So there's a, there's a bigger picture here. There's a bigger picture in the story, and this is the biggest, bigger picture. Jesus touches dead things and he brings them to life. Bottom line, Jesus touches dead things and he brings them to life. Pastor Mark Batterson says it so well. He says, every miracle is a microcosm. They don't just reveal what Jesus did, past tense. They reveal what he wants to do in your life, present tense. In other words, this story is recorded to give you insight as to what Jesus did and what he's still doing. Past tense that he wants to work, present tense in your life. Jesus is still encountering people today. He's still flipping scripts, friends. He's still bringing dead things to life. He's still taking hopeless situations and bringing hope. And possibly, possibly you're in a place where you need Jesus to encounter you today. So to speak, you need Jesus to touch your coffin. You need Jesus to touch that place of pain. Oh, Jesus, we thank you this morning that we're not alone. Oh, in the difficulties of life, the challenges of life, and situations like this widow that we read about this morning, Lord, that in those times and in those places, Lord, we're not alone. We thank you for your presence, that you are Emmanuel, God with us. Lord Jesus, we thank you as well that you're still touching dead things and bringing them to life. Dead marriages, bringing them alive. Dead relationships, bringing them alive. Dead financial situations, bringing them alive. Dead organs, and that the organs in our bodies may not be functioning. You're the God who touches dead things and brings them alive. God, I thank you. What what you did, you're still doing. So Lord, this morning we, we come in expectation. We come in confident expectation. We come and we position ourselves in faith believing. every head bowed and eye closed, if you're in a place today where you would just say, man, I can so identify with this widow in the story, her place of pain, her place of crisis, her place of need. And I just, I need Jesus. I need Jesus to encounter me in that place today. If that's you, I just want to, I want to pray for you really quick as we conclude. Is there anyone who would just say, hey, that's me. That's me. Yeah. Yeah. In the balcony, yeah. Lord, I, I thank you that you're the God who sees. You're the God who, who's not moving away from us. But just as in this story, you didn't step away from the funeral procession. You stepped into that place of pain. Lord, so I pray today that you would bring encounter. And I, I know that looks... 
different for different people. And at times it may not even make sense. Like Jesus, you said to the woman, don't cry. Like that, that doesn't compute. That doesn't make sense. Lord, yet you met her in that place of pain. Lord, so I pray for individuals today as I've been praying throughout this week for this moment. Lord, more than just hearing a Bible story, more than just coming to a church service, Jesus, we're desperate for your encounter. Lord, meet my friends in that place of pain, whatever that looks like, in that place of need, whatever it looks like. Lord Jesus, bring life out of death. Lord Jesus, take that hopeless situation and bring hope out of it. Lord Jesus, somehow redeem and restore. I pray that what you did, you would do today. In Jesus' name, amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.